Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We're coming to you tonight on a night with the Revolution should have started their Champions League journey against Cavalier AS. Unfortunately, that game has been forfeited due to uh, a couple of visa issues, and the Revolution are on to the second round in unusual fashion, where they will play Pumas or Saprissa in the next round. Uh, so we're going to, as opposed to kind of recapping the CCL game, we're going to catch you up on some news. We got some big signings. And of course, we have some bold predictions to get to you today. Uh, this is our season preview slash bold predictions episode. And we got a ton of boldness to kind of go over. But uh, I'm Greg Johnston. Joining me tonight, uh, Chris Velukas, uh, one of our usual co-hosts. Chris, how are you doing this evening? You know, I'm doing all right. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a space cadet today, so I apologize in advance. But, you know, I have a 32-day streak on Wordle, so uh, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, otherwise, you know, just doing pretty good, getting ready for the season to start. Wish we had some Rev Soccer tonight, but you know what? I'm more than happy to talk on the pod. Uh, but, yeah, doing good. Thanks. Double letters don't stump this guy. 32-game win streak. That's uh, very, very impressive. Uh, and also joining us tonight, un- unclear if he has a 32-day win streak in Wordle from the Trifecta Network. Uh, Tanner Rebello is here. Tanner, how are you today? Doing well, guys. I've never played Wordle ever. Never even looked at it. I see it on Twitter, and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on here, and I just kind of don't look at it. <laughs> you know I'm what? Doing good, guys. That, that just means that uh, you won't suffer when the New York Times puts it behind a paywall. So uh, yeah. good on you. We do have a big signing in the past few weeks. As long rumored, Josie Altidore is coming to the revolution. Is a bit of a massive deal. $5 million over three years. Uh, TFC did officially buy him out, but according to these weird kind of MLS structured deal, I don't really understand how it's working, but TFC is going to be contributing a portion of that $5 million deal over the next three years, uh, a portion of that salary uh, to his revs contract. So it's unclear of what the percentage of salary the revs are paying and what percentage TFC is paying. But regardless, Josie Altador is easily the third highest paid player on the revolution. He is right at the max TAM level, um, basically as as high of a salary as you can get without being a designated player. Uh, Tanner, I'll, I'll go to you first. What's your reaction to the Josie Altador signing? Uh, and, and what do you think of that contract? You know, I think the contract can be a holdup for a lot of people. Because if you look at that $5 million over three years, he's 32 years old. Last four years, he's averaged just over a thousand minutes per season, so he hasn't been able to stay on the field. I think if you look at the money and the high level, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it depends what TFC is picking up. Um, but I, I like the player, I like the signing. I think it definitely provides the Revolution some scoring depth off the bench. They really lacked that last year, so Altidore will provide that. But when you're paying a player at a 1.67 million AAV, you expect that player to be a starter, right? He's going to be making more than Adam Buxa and if Buxa departs, does Altador slot in? What's it look like in the interim? I think there's a lot of questions, and until we see him on the field, we're not going to get many answers. Yeah, it's interesting because I, you have Buxa and Bo there. He's getting paid as not just a starter but a superstar. So in my mind, the Revs are preemptively preparing for Buxa to leave, and Josie is going to fill in that spot when he leaves. Um, and I, I'm sure that it's... 
you know, Josie's health uh, and his injury history as of late has not been great. Um, you know, he did come back last season and I think he had five or six appearances at the end of last year. And he kind of finished strong. He did have three goals, um, but I think he only had one or two games where he played a full 90 minutes. So it's going to be interesting to see how fit he is, what his role is at the beginning of the year. And I think he's in a good situation where maybe they can kind of ease him in uh, before kind of taking over for Adam Puxa. Um, But can he stay healthy down the stretch? Uh, how many minutes can he give you? Um, it's going to be very, very interesting. And then there's also the possibility that Puxa doesn't leave uh, and, and he just plays a limited role. Then, then you're spending a lot of money on a guy that uh, really isn't going to see the field too, too much. So. Um, it, it's interesting, as I say, I think it makes a lot more sense in the context that maybe Adam Buxa is leaving, uh, but there is a, a lot of questions surrounding this one and his role, and it, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on the Josie Altador signing? Yeah, you know, I, I've gone, kind of gone back and forth as to do I like the signing, do I dislike the signing. Uh, at the end of the day, I think overall I like it. Uh, I, I can't get hung up too much on the salary details because it's MLS and it's all funny money and who really knows what is actually being paid out. So I, I'm not going to get hung up on it anymore. I've, uh, I'm letting that ship sail and I'm just going to focus on how is Josie Altador going to impact the revolution? In my opinion, I think it's, it's going to be a really positive impact. Uh, at least I'm the optimist in me is, is seeing this as a, a very impactful signing, especially considering the, uh, you know, the, the prospect that uh, Adam Books is going to be leaving in the summer. So uh, assuming that happens and Josie is the replacement again, like we're saying that salary is somewhat of a starting uh, caliber player. We expect Josie to be starting and to be getting a lot of minutes. Um, I, he comes with so much, so much experience in MLS and at a higher level. Uh, he had a quote earlier today. I don't remember. I don't have the exact quote in front of me. And I don't remember who asked the question uh, at the press conference, but Josie was mentioning that uh, his time in Toronto over the last couple of years between the pandemic and everything else was really starting to wane on him. And uh, it was kind of affecting you know, his enjoyment of the city. And I, maybe that translated to, you know, a, more of a downward swing on the pitch, maybe coming to Foxborough, uh, coming back uh, to the States it is going to be something that's going to be helpful for his morale. And, and, and maybe that's going to translate to, uh, you know, a bit of a resurgence season for Josie. And I think that's all we can hope for. And, you know, uh, fingers crossed that that comes to fruition. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is if he's healthy, this is a massive, massive gain for the revolution. I, I think Huge. there's no disputing that it's just going to be, um, how long he can stay on the field. So, uh, Chris, you said you don't want to get into the weeds on MLS Funny Money. Uh, do you want a quick rundown? Because I, I actually, every now and then, I hear about something the Rebs are doing, and I'm like, I don't know how this makes sense. And I kind of go back and I read the rules, and I think I figured out the angle on this one. So if you bear with me, I'm, I'm going to, and I know you you don't really follow the rules too much. So if I confuse you, Chris, it's your responsibility to tell me I, that I I'm follow the rules. I just think that the rules are just, I, I don't know. I think I'm getting well, old is what it is. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. Uh, but yeah, please educate me and and drop some knowledge and let me know how how this tam gam stuff works because well, my head just starts spinning well here's my theory and you guys can tell me if i'm if i'm going down the right path on this or not but just as a and i want to rewind because we might have some new listeners uh this season so in, in case you're not familiar with the mls rules there is a club salary budget of 4.9 million dollars that's kind of like a soft cap uh that in theory is what your your team is spending but on top of that you can sign three designated players uh, that you can kind of give them whatever salary you want and also the acquisition costs is kind of baked into that salary budget charge. 
So like Adam Buxa had a transfer fee attached. So that transfer fee is allocated to his salary and that kind of gives him his salary budget number. So Buxa, Bo and Heal are designated players, but they cost $612,000 against that salary budget. Okay. There's also GAM where you can buy down players' salaries. So you can buy down their budget charge. So you get 1.5 million of this as of 2021, you get 1.5 million of this. And then you get bonuses for like, you know, you have players selecting the expansion draft, you miss the playoffs, you make Champions League, you get certain bonuses for GAM here and there. So it's basically an extension of the, the budget cap. So there's also a thing called TAM, which is targeted allocation money. And this works like GAM, but targeted allocation money is basically supposed to be used on new signings. And they are supposed to be used on new signings and acquisitions that are more than the maximum salary charge for per player, which is that $612,000 number. The other interesting thing about TAM is that I believe GAM expires every year, but with TAM, you get TAM for four transfer windows. Okay. So you following me so far, Chris? As somewhat, yes. Okay. Well, the Revs got $2.8 million in TAM in 2021 and $2.8 million of TAM in 2022. So I went back and thought about it. The Revs didn't acquire anyone in 2021 that made more than 612000 Maybe they 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 acquired Tristison, who I think is on 300000 and maybe there is a transfer fee attached. So maybe that number is up a little bit, but I can't imagine it goes past a $612,000 charge. Mafla was on four hundred thousand. I believe there might have been a transfer fee attached to that, but again, you know, if if it's past that six hundred twelve number, it's probably pretty minimal. I know Captain was on a free, so I don't think he was a TAM signing. I don't think they made a single TAM signing in twenty twenty one. So the reason I bring this up is because if the Revs didn't make a TAM signing in twenty twenty one, that means they have two point eight million dollars in allocation money that is specific for new signings from 2021 plus 2.8 million dollars in 2022 so coming into this 2022 season the revs are potentially opening up a designated player spot with adam buxa in the summer you get about a million dollars in gam when you transfer someone out so they're going to get a million dollars from uh tejon sale they're going to get a million dollars from the matt turner sale and then on top of that they have about 5.6 million dollars in targeted allocation money and 2.8 million of that is going to expire at the end of the season. And so in my mind, if I'm Bruce Arena and I'm looking at all of this allocation money, my thought is I need to spend this on someone. So $1.6 million a year on, what'd you say, Chris? Mbappe? <laughs> can we can we get Mbappe for $5.6 million? Sorry, I mean, keep going. If, if Robert Kraft wants to win, he's sure to, but, but no, but 1.6 million is, is the maximum TAM amount you can get. And so I wonder if Bruce has used some black magic here where, you know, Josie Altador is part of his negotiation. You know, New England, it sounds like they were working out this deal with Josie and TFC. Essentially, what they did was they're overpaying Josie Altador because they have all this allocation money. They have this resource that they have to use. And they're going to have other resources to use in the summer when Matt Turner and Adar books are, are signed. So I, I see this as a, you know, even if they are overpaying, let's say you consider Altador's value at 600000 Okay, well, the Revs don't care about, you know, because they're, they're using a lot of TAM, they don't care if they're paying him $1.2 and TFC is covering the rest of the bill. So I see this as the Revolution having a ton of a resource that they're more or less trying to get out of 
trying to to get rid of. Um, and if they're overpaying for a guy who's behind Bo and Buxa, but it fills a weakness, so be it. So that that's my take on what I think is happening here. So I guess my one rebuttal to that is I think TFC is only going to be covering whatever percentage until or through the year 2023. Josie's got a contract that goes through 2024. Mm-hmm. So I and I understand that there's going to be more allocation money awarded, you know, year over year as as they go along. So 2024, the the charge uh, available is going to be more than it is this year. But if you're paying Josie something, you know. Uh, I don't know, two million a year, whatever the the bizarre number is, but uh, that's something that the revolution are going to have to think about taking in in 2024. So, yeah. do well. Well, there, I, what's what's the deal? I I don't know. I just I don't know what what the thought process is on on that piece. Well, I think the thought process is the win now window, and you want to make your team as strong as possible in 2022. And you're right. If 35 year old Josie Altador isn't that great going into 24 24, you could just buy him out. Um, you could just cut him a check and, and use your buyout on him like they used on Christian Mafla. Um, allegedly, I, I, I don't think the, the press release actually said buyout. I think they said parted ways. But every team is allowed one buyout in the offseason. Uh, and, and I think they could use it on Josie Eltador. The other thing, too, is that um, uh, I believe Gustavo Bo's contract runs through 2023. So maybe there's a situation where he leaves and you move Josie to a designated player if he's outperforming oh. that contract. Oh, oh. Okay. okay, getting groans, getting groans okay. from the, the, the but but I guess my point here is uh, they're, they'll they'll deal with 2024 down the road. And if they have to cut a check and move on from them, they will. Tanner, you've been waiting like 10 minutes. I'm sorry. I don't mean to talk this. Much. Yeah. So I'll try to clean it up a little bit for you guys. Um, so Altador had two years left with TFC. They picked up the 2023 option, I think, halfway through last year, according to a report. So the revs gave him an additional year beyond that, which is why TFC is only paying a portion of 2022 and 2023 because that additional year in 24 was what the revs tacked on to his existing deal with Toronto. It's a very weird situation where he technically wasn't, he was an off season buyer from Toronto, but since he had a no trade clause, he was able to just go directly to the revs. So it's, he had four and a half million dollars left on the TFC deal that they owed him financially. Um, So it's unclear if that's going towards, the portion of the revs, it's a very weird situation and it's very complex and it, it has Bruce Arena's name written all over it. I think at the end of the day, you know, he's one of these coaches that understands Tam, Gam, the cap, and how all these inner workings work is he's been around the league since they created all these. So I think you kind of just have to have faith in Bruce Arena because it's a very complex deal. Yeah, it, it's I don't I don't ever recall a move in MLS where a player signs with a team and part of that bill is footed by another team. Um, and I, I think it's also worth noting that TFC had to buy out Josie Altador. They really didn't have any leverage because they're planning on using all three of their designated player spots. So I, I assume Josie Altador got maybe all of that $4.5 million, or he said he wouldn't uh, uh, take, a, take a buyout unless he got all $4.5 million of that. And I'm sure there were some behind the scenes discussion with TFC where, um, you know, maybe Josie accepted 4 million, but as a result, his next contract got an additional year or something to that effect. Um, Either way, Josie's making out great. I I don't think any of us believe that he's worth $5 million over three years at this stage in his career. uh, Good for him. Good for his agent. (laughs) Yes. I can say. (laughs) It it is a, it is a very wild contract with so many, uh, it's just got MLS all over it. 
Um, but I, I think from the Revs' perspective, bringing this one home uh, and then, you know, thankfully uh, putting all of our listeners out of our misery in, in talking about Tam, I, I just think from a revolution perspective, an overpay kind of makes sense uh, if you consider that they see their windows being in the next two years. Um, and as I say, if 2024 comes and, you know, he's got a bloated contract and you don't expect a whole lot from him, cut a check and move on. The Revs are going to be making, you know, over $20 million in transfer fees from three players this year. So Kraft should be able to cut a check for $1.5 million and move on if that's for the best interest of the team there. So, yeah. Any final thoughts before we move on here? Nope. I think just love the player, like the player, like the like the move. Not questionable about the salary, but I mean, at the end of the day, who cares about the salary when uh, when we're just fans and, you know. If he scores goals, who cares? Yeah, exactly. I think it's interesting, right? Like this is a player that obviously was dealing with injuries, was dealing with that situation in Toronto. He's coming to a coach that he knows very well. And also he has family in the area. So it could be one of those late career revivals that you see. I mean, players can score an MLS into their late thirties. Bradley Wright Phillips is just an example of that. Yeah. And and you mentioned too, I I think it's worth stating over and over again, Josie Altador's first coach in MLS was Bruce arena in, in New York. Uh, and obviously they have all that experience with the United States men's national team. So, um, yeah, if there's anyone who can get the best out of Josie Altador, it is Bruce Arena. And if he's healthy, I think you can make an argument that he is worth this contract. If he's perfectly healthy and starts 20 games a season, 20, 25 games a season for the next three years and is a productive goal scorer, uh, you know, you, you save a designated player spot for somewhere else on the field. So uh, and, and he's not an international player, too. You're not using an international spot. So um, even though the number is a bit eye popping. Uh, I, I don't think this is as bad of a deal um, as a lot of people expect. Uh, and I say that with Sean Donahue not on this podcast. He would be livid with me if I was saying that. He's been arguing this is a terrible, terrible deal on Twitter. Uh, I can't wait for him to uh, publicly call me out uh, and tell me this take is terrible. So, uh, Oh, one other thing, guys. Uh, today we had the reveal of the 2022 home kit. I believe it's called the Liberty Kit. Um, I, I don't want to go into too many details describing it because this is a podcast and you cannot – See things, uh, but uh, I assume our listeners have seen this kit, uh, which is now available for purchase for uh, all Revolution fans across New England. Uh, Chris, uh, you're our kit guy. Uh, what's your immediate reaction on the 2022 home jerseys? It's blue, man. You want to you want to describe it? That's pretty much it. Um, I, I love the uh, the I don't know what you'd call it. That just that like embedded design sort it's of. A, uh, it's a bespoke uh, design. Yeah, it's really bespoke- cool. Yeah, it's kind of like the like the parquet floor type thing. I, I like that a lot. It looks really cool. It's kind of classy. Um, I I really like the it, the blue looks different. It, it, I don't know how to describe it. It looks different. It's not as like deep of a of a navy color. Um, it doesn't look like it's always wet type thing. Um, and and it pops. It's it's very clean. Uh, I wish the club would maybe take a bit more risks and go a little bit more wild, especially with new branding and everything like that. But you know what? If they're not going to do it, they're not going to do it. The kit itself on its own, uh, with aside from my wishes, it's it's a nice kit. It's a clean kit. And I don't think anyone can really complain about uh, it being, you know, a, a good looking jersey. And I can't wait to see it on the pitch. The one thing I will say, though, uh, it looks like, according to the promo video, that the shorts are now going to also be navy. Uh, so I'm going to be a little bit sad to, to not see the, the blue and red. Uh, I really, really dig the red shorts. So uh, ho- hopefully that was just because they didn't have any red shorts on hand. But I guess we'll have to wait and see because they're not going to be playing Cavalli today. 
No, it's the, it's going to be the blue on blue for the entire season. Uh, it's their Did first, they confirm that? Yeah. Yeah, it's the first blue shorts, uh, blue on blue, since 2013 for the revolution. They did it, according to their press release, to uh, sort of highlight the crest a little bit more by not having the differentiating color. Tanner, what are your thoughts on the, the kit? I think it's better than last year's kit. I didn't like the white T-shirt personally, um, but oh. I, I like it. I, I, I think it's clean. Um, you know, it's not outlandish, which I know a lot of fans wanted to see something different, but they're kind of restricted to what they can and cannot do. And when you're launching a crest like this, you kind of want that to be your first foray into it. It's a, it's a clean kit. Yeah, that's a good point, too. You don't want your first uh, jersey with the new crest to kind of be too wild and too out there. And that's something that turns off a lot of people. I think you want your logo out there. And I, I think this is a really, really nice kit. It's simple but effective. And, you know, part of me is like, well, last year's kit was also pretty simple. Uh, I know a lot of people weren't a big fan of last year, but I don't know. I'm a big fan of navy blue. I, I like the color scheme overall. Um, and I don't hate the blue on blue at all. Uh, I, I think it was really tough to follow up that 2020 kit uh, that the Revs had that were it was kind of out there. Uh, kind of had that white stripe, uh, but overall, I, I think it was uh, pretty well overall. Do we want to grade the kit? Do we want to give a quick grade? I'll give it an A minus. I think it's it's solid. It stands on its own, but I think they could have been a little bit more creative with it. But uh, I I love the unique like you know sublimation or whatever you want to call it. I don't think it's actually sublimated, but the the pattern that's like ingrained into the blue. Yeah, Tanner, let's get a grade. Yeah, I'll give it a B. I, I like that, like you said, the pattern. It's like this supposed to be the Freedom Trail, sort of. And then they also have the 96. And then on the back, they have the revolution, the, the New England flag. So I like it. I, I think it, it keeps to the roots, and it's a nice way to launch the crest. Yeah. I, I'm giving this a solid A. I like a good navy blue kit. I think that it was simple and effective. I, I don't know. Not much more I can say about it. Positive marks all the way around. I, I, I like the kit. I know a lot of people... Do you want, do you want to grade the kit, the kit reveal? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't. <laughs> I We're, do. I'm not touching that one. We're not going to. Uh, no, I'm good. I, I understand they had different plans in mind, and that that kind of got changed at the last minute. There but, were a lot of moving uh, pieces this week, and I'm going to say, you know, it, it, these things happen. So, um, but yeah, and and there are jerseys uh, in the store, which are the important things. So, and you know, there might be a lot of fans right now that are like, you know. It's a high price tag for a new kit. I don't know if I want to splash all that money on just one shirt. And I got to say, I have great news for you. If you don't want to spend all that money on a new kit, you should check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Their mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have Revolution merch. They have United States men's national team merch, women's national team merch. They have Arsenal merch for all of the members of the Turner Train hopping on that bandwagon. They will have something for you that you need and want in your closet. And if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you enter in your size and style of jersey that you like. And Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. So check out GalassoKit.com for their full selection. And make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and GalassoKits on Instagram and Facebook for updates on their new inventory. And when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and the code are in the show notes. All right. So uh, I also have here CCL. Uh, I think I mentioned this at the beginning. Next, The next leg is Pumas or Saprisa. I'm not sure if I covered that at the beginning, but uh, Cavalli did forfeit today, unfortunately. So the Revs are moving on to the second round to face Puma or Saprisa. I'm not sure if I said that or not, uh, but I have it here in my notes. So I'm going to cover that very, very quickly. Uh, 
moving on to bold predictions and season preview. Uh, do we want to do prediction uh, our season prediction for where the Revs are first, or do we want to do bold predictions first? Chris, I'll, I'll go to you. I think uh, let's jump into the bold predictions, right? We can finish finish these bold predictions with uh, season predictions. All right. Well, uh, are you okay with that? Chris, give me your bold predictions then. Well, I got three of them, so I'll run through my first one. And I got to say, it's a lot harder to make bold predictions uh, this year than it was last year because this Revolution team last year, I think, overperformed to so many capacities. And now how do you make a bold prediction out of that? So I kind of had to get very specific with it. Uh, I said Revs win MLS Cup. And I think that's highly possible. But the caveat, I think Josie regains his form as MLS Cup MVP. I think he has one of those Josie games. And I will then say that his contract was worth it. So Ooh. that's my first, my very first bold prediction. I can go through a couple other ones, or if you want to go around first and uh, we can get through them. Uh, Tanner, do you have a bold prediction you want to throw out there? Yeah, I think the Revolution are going to lift two trophies. In 2022, I think they're going to win CONCACAF Champions League, and I think they're going to win MLS Cup. I think this team is built to win now. Bruce is the man to do it. I think they brought in a lot of experience. Omar Gonzalez, Sebastian Legette, Jose Altador. These are players that know how to win, um, and they know arena style. And I think this is the year they put it all together. I think last year you sort of had the Cinderella season, sort of winning the Supporter Shield record-setting fashion. But I think this is the year they get serious and win the big games. Well, I like it. I like it. I was going to say, one of my bold predictions was uh, they win MLS Cup, but everyone's using MLS Cup, so I'm going to have to go to something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go least bold to boldest, uh, and I'm going to start with this year's breakout player is going to be Masiel. Uh, oh. you know, Matt Polster has kind of carried that defensive midfield, uh, but I think Masiel has a good path to minutes, kind of in that diamond right behind Matt Polster. So if Matt Polster gets hurt, uh, or if he just needs a break here and there, uh, I think Masiel is going to step in, and he played pretty decently. I don't think people realize how much he played last year. I think he played over a thousand uh, minutes. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a growing player, uh, and I, I think we just saw his his rookie season. I think he might be primed for a sophomore breakout season. So I, I think Masiel kind of sees a little bit more minutes. I'm not saying he's going to be a surefire starter down the stretch. I'm not saying he's going to overtake Matt Polster for the job, uh, but I think we're going to have a lot of games where Masiel is going to get in, and we're going to say, yeah, we might have something here. So, Chris, let's go back to you. Give me another bull prediction. All right, so I got more individual accolades because I think that's all we can really look at here, right? Because the, the team itself, it's it's I don't know, I don't know what what's bold at this point. Oh, right? oh, you will get some bold uh, predictions from me later, but go ahead. Okay, <laughs> are they going to win the Club World Cup this year that they're not even in? I don't know. Um, <laughs> That'd be very bold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, back on track. My second bold prediction is uh, it's around Henry Kessler. I think that he's going to win uh, defensive player of the year uh mls defender of the year uh, i think that's henry kessler's take this is the year that he's going to step it up and if he does that i think the revs that's uh, uh, one of their biggest uh, weaknesses i think is the defense staying staying strong for 90 minutes if kessler can uh can win defender of the year i think that also goes a long way to uh, revs winning mls cup tanner what, what we got for a bold prediction here round two I think you're going to see not only Matt Turner depart in the summer transfer window, I think you're going to see two additional players. I think Books is gone, and I could see Dewan Jones. If he has a strong start, I could see Dewan going out the window. And that leads into another bold prediction. I think Ryan Spaulding could see significant minutes at left back if in when he is signed. <laughs> Announce Ryan Spaulding. Um, <laughs> actually, you hit on... Uh, 
kind of a side quest here uh, before I get into my next bold prediction. But last year, I asked Seth McComer uh, when he was on the show, uh, name a player that is not going to be on the revolution at the end of the year. Uh, and I caught him very, very off guard. And he was like, boy, I wish you would ask me this before the podcast instead of right on it. Uh, but it, so in, in that tradition, I'm going to ask you guys the same question. And you can't say Turner. You can't say Buxa. You, you said uh, Dewan Jones. So I'll take that as your, your answer there, Tanner. But Chris, um, name one player that besides Turner or Buxa that is not going to be on the team at the end of the year. You know, so this year you actually did prep me on this question, so I'm not, I'm a little less uh, taken aback from it. My initial thought was Dewan Jones, and I was like, well, I can't go Dewan Jones because I think that's going to be a more of an obvious choice, right? Uh, other than that, I think I was going to go Arnold Tristison. I don't know exactly how he's going to fit onto this team. I think he provides a lot of value, and I could see a midseason trade, uh, maybe for some international spots, maybe just for some more GAM to help pay Altidore's salary uh whatever it is that they need but uh i think arnold tristison could definitely provide value to some team in mls and i think that uh it could be him that goes because i don't know where else he fits it's it's a bit crowded they have too much allocation money chris jeez did i did, I, I talked for like 10 minutes i said they have too much allocation money we don't need allocation money uh but no i i get your point yeah tristison was one i had in my mind i actually am going to lean on uh tommy mcnamara uh because I, I one of my bold predictions here is that the revs replacing Adam Buxa as a designated player. I think they go out, they sign a central midfielder designated player and Tommy McNamara is kind of the odd man out and Tommy McNamara becomes kind of a trade chip uh, for someone else in MLS. I think the Revs are going to be very, very busy this summer. I think they have a lot of pieces to replace and I think Tommy McNamara is on a low enough salary but is a good enough player uh, that he will help out a contending team uh, as a ventured midfielder. Not that we don't like Tommy Mack. Uh, we, we think he's a good player. But as I say, if he's kind of pushed out of that role and there's kind of a clog in midfield, I think he's the most attractive uh, player uh, for, for other teams out there. So I'm going to go Tommy Mack. Tanner's got Dewan Jones. Chris, you have Arner Tristison. Um, my second uh, hot take here, besides the Revs get a third designated player in the summer that is a midfielder that is going to push uh, Tommy McNamara out of the team, allegedly, is I'm going to go with Henry Kessler gets major, major interest from Europe this season. That is probably touching on what you said there, Chris. Uh, maybe not offers that you can't refuse, but offers kind of like what we heard with Tejan Buchanan, where there's a real conversation of, I'm not sure how much longer we got with this guy. Uh, and maybe next year, uh, Kessler starts looking at a bigger league. I, I think he's also another player that might be primed for a breakout. And obviously, he's getting some talk with the United States men's national team. I don't think he's going to make the World Cup. I think he's certainly a long shot for that. Uh, but I, I certainly think he's going to get on some team's radars and might have a future career in Europe uh, in the future. So uh, I think, Chris, back to you. Do you have any more bold predictions here, Chris? I have one more left, and I, I maybe at, at, at face value, it doesn't quite look like a, a bold prediction, but I'm going to say Dewan Jones makes MLS best 11. Uh, and it doesn't look like a, a bold prediction, but MLS doesn't put fullbacks in their best 11. So I'm saying he's making best 11 as a winger this year because I think that he's going to be bombing up. I think that the Revolution are going to be playing more of a three-back, uh, trying to get these fullbacks more in the attack, and Dewan Jones is going to make the best 11 doing that hot take very hot take double hot take because that's that's position... that's my more outlandish take yes. but i you know what i also could see that happening um well, in some alternate reality maybe it, this it, one it won't happen when tanner calls it and dewan jones is sold so <laughs> we got conflicting bull predictions here but uh tanner do you have any more bold predictions you want to get out no you guys said kessler i like that i think he has a chip on his shoulder especially not making um so the the u.s roster in the last cycle 
um, when Dewan Jones did. But I think my last bull prediction is going to be at goalkeeper. I think when Matt Turner is transferred, I think Earl Edwards is actually going to win the uh, goalkeeper job. Like it. Not mm. a lot of people talking about Earl Edwards right now. We talked a little bit about Brad Knighton uh, being the potential fill-in, um, and the Revolution signed Jacob Jackson today. Jacob Jackson Johnson uh, signed today. The first-round draft pick has uh, made the team. He's, I assume he's going to be on a supplemental roster, uh, but he signed a one-year contract with options to, I believe, 2025. So uh, the Revs also have their project goalkeeper, and they'll be carrying four goalkeepers uh, at the beginning of the season uh, between Brad Knighton, Earl Edwards Jr., potential replacement for Matt Turner, and uh, Jacob Jackson Johnson. So. I am going to touch on uh, Tanner. We we have differing bold predictions, and this is a very spicy take because I have a name here. I I, I I'm going to call my shot, and I'm going to get laughed at online when I say this. But I think the Revolution, after Matt Turner is gone, I'm calling that the Revolution will trade for Bill Hamid in the summer window. Uh, Hamid apparently is on his last year in DC. And DC is not very good. And so they might be trying to move him. So uh, knowing Bruce Arena and his love for MLS veterans, I think if he is not pleased with Knighton, Edwards, uh, or Jackson, uh, I think he makes a move. And I'm going to I'm gonna name Bill Hamid as the potential successor to Matt Turner. I like that one. <laughs> I, I, I like that too. When I was thinking of the predictions, I was like, what other Arena player could he bring in? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't think of one, so thank you. Uh, yeah, Hamid, that's a good, good, good prediction. Now, I to su- support this argument, I was going to look up Hamid's uh, expected goals uh, versus uh, goals against, kind of that metric that Matt Turner dominates in. Wasn't great last year. Uh, not not great numbers from Bill Hamid last year. So we're, this is this prediction is kind of banking on Hamid kind of coming back into form a little bit. Uh, but I I, I think uh, DC. As I say, he's making over four hundred thousand dollars a year. I think he's at like four seventy-five. Uh, it's just a big contract. And as I say, I think DC might be looking to move him in the summer. It seems like he's a veteran goalkeeper that uh, is on a bad team and is kind of a you know just just might be done uh, in DC United. So, uh, and also I'm going to throw out one a bold prediction for after the season. Not saying he's leaving, but I have Shalry Joseph interviews for an MLS job after the season. So, there's my bold prediction. Chris, you don't bull predictions? I, I got all my bull predictions Good. in. Good. All right, let's get to some fan bull predictions. And uh, do you want to do the uh, the the team record? No, we want to just let's let's roll through some listener uh, bull predictions here too before we we move on and wrap up. But uh, Tom Cato says Tristison and Captoom have good seasons, but rarely play together. Player not named Buxa gets a move to Europe after a good first half of the season, so that might be in line with you, Tanner, with the uh, Dewan Jones. Uh, and then he also says, Turner isn't replaced, but Jacob Jackson really impresses and makes the majority of starts for the rest of the season. So we got a lot of bold takes. I feel like there isn't a, a take, a goalkeeper take that isn't bold. Either you think they're going to trade for someone or, you know, one of the backups kind of comes in. I think it, it's a, a real mystery of what they're going to do following Matt Turner. Um, Teal Forever says, MLS Cup appearance, uh, Champions League semifinal or better. Earl Edwards Jr. is good, uh, defined as above League average expected goals saved in 15 plus starts. So he's in line with you there, Tanner. Uh, and he says Arnor has a re- rebound season, uh, two times expected goals created and fewer red cards. So that's a very detailed prediction there. Uh, and then he mentions forget to show up for League Cup uh, and lose by forfeit. And I don't notice until several weeks uh, later, uh, well, until following links on Wikipedia. Uh, that might be a little sarcastic, but uh, I wanted to add it in there just because 
just like us, Chris, he does not care about League's Cup. That's right. Uh, let's see. I gotta say, is there and no no uh, bold predictions around like Sebastian Legit or anything? Because he was on my radar for something that I, that I might want to predict about. I was thinking maybe he uh, beats out uh, Carly Seal for most assists or something like that. Mm. Um, is I don't. Carlos s- going to be injured for half the year. And then... No, <laughs> Carlos <laughs> is going to be passing it to Sebastian Legit, who passes it to the goal scorer. I- um, I actually don't see any about Sebastian Legette, which is a bit surprising. Yeah. I think he's going nope. under the radar. I was radar. waiting to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he really is. Well, I think people have low expectations because he didn't have a good season last year in L.A., but, um, you know, he's not nothing. He's still – I think he's 29. I mean, he's not even on the wrong side of 30 yet. He's still in the United States setup, uh, and I think he's going to be a better fit for the Diamond. So I, I'm curious to see what he does. I also kind of feel like any player you bring in and you put with Carlos Hill, they're going to put up bigger numbers. Yes. I, anyway, I digress. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of filtering out through the uh, sarcastic ones, so bear with me for a minute. But Sam Minton of the Bent Musket says, Buxa stays with the refs for the entire season. That's actually pretty bold, I would say. Yeah. Uh, oh, Tanner, he's in agreement with you that Earl Edwards Jr. is the starting goalkeeper when uh, Turner leaves. Oh, and actually he does have a Sebastian Legette uh, prediction. He says Sebastian Legette scores more goals than Gustavo Bo. Ooh. I could see that, actually. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if Bo gets hurt, but I do not picture that happening. Gustavo Bo scores goals from middle of nowhere. The way I'm picturing Sebastian Legette in my head right now, he's MLS MVP. He's got about, you know, 15 goals and uh, 20 assists. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll just stop making takes on Sebastian Legette for the rest of the season. Someone is recording this and they're going to be later. posting this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Sibillian says... Uh, the Revs will not be getting any significant reinforcements in the summer. Uh, they will, however, get a, in parentheses, no-name striker to rotate with Josie Altidore. Um, possible. Uh, I, I guess no-name kind of depends on what level, uh, but I assume he means kind of a below-TAM signing uh, to replace Adam Buxa and put in there with Josie. So, uh, Ronnie, Would that Ronnie be Justin Paul- Rennicks? Sorry, what? Wouldn't that be Justin Rennicks? Justin Rennick says, well, uh, we actually did get a uh, take here. Uh, Eric has uh, Rennick scoring once. <laughs> so there you go. Double his MLS career goal total. <laughs> Does he have one? I think I he has Eric. one. Does I think he? he has one in 2019 or could be wrong. Could be thinking of the wrong player. I think he time. skied that chance in that second weekend game uh, right before COVID. And I think that was his his uh, his chance at an MLS goal. Maybe he will though. Although I should say it just nope. says bags one. No, he didn't get one. Nope. We need to get Runex on the score sheet this year. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I like Runex. I hope he uh, hope he succeeds. I, when I say he's a no name too, I don't mean he's a no name. I just mean outside of New England, nobody's going to really know who he is. So that is fair. Well, if if uh, Justin Rennix is Adam Buchs's replacement, I am a little terrified. And that is no disrespect to Justin Rennix. That is just a yikes. Yeah. We need yeah. But anyway, Ronnie Small says Josie either scores 15 plus or pulls an Antonio Brown. No middle ground. Uh, he also says 15 plus goals and assists for Wolford Captoom, which is a hot take. But uh, certainly he's got Captoom down as his breakout player of the year. Uh Porter says Revs concede at least two goals in 24 plus games, making it hard to perform at a level that keeps them top three in the East. 
Any Revs UK has the Revs third in the Supporter Shield, top of the East. He has Boa 15 goals. Top assists is a tie between Heel and Tristison with 11. He says MLS Cup, they'll make the final. They'll win the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, and he also says the new home shirt is a flop. So he's already 0 for 1 in bold predictions there, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, he's uh, talking about the Open Cup, though. I'm pretty excited about that. I've been trying Nazis, so uh, something happened last year when I talked about it. Don't say too much here, Chris. You're going to get a can. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You, you might have been responsible, too, for this uh, Cavalier game getting uh, canceled, too. I can't wait for my, my Twitter mentions tomorrow morning. Uh, John has Dewan Jones with 14-plus goals slash assist contributions. Uh, he says Leggett will be the best central midfielder in the league. So we do have a couple of Leggett. There you go. Nice. He's with you yeah. there. Books will be at the top of the golden boot race when he leaves for Europe. He says Altidore will have at least seven goals. And he says we sign Dwayne St. Clair or Horfath as a Turner replacement. So got some more there. Andy from Revs Nation. Revs win U.S. Open Cup after struggling early in the season. Maciel scores the winning goal. He also says Bo will lead the team with 24 goals. Uh, and he also says Revs will crash out of the playoffs in the conference semi, and the hashtag on Revs Twitter will handle it really well. Uh, yeah, that would that would not go very well if we did that two years in a row. <laughs> Josh Nye, Damian Rivera combines for five goals across all competitions. Buxa accumulates 15 goals across all competitions before being sold. And then he says, Revolution 2 will be inaugural MLS Next Pro Champions. MLS 2 might be stacked this year, too. We got some talent down there. I don't know what they're doing at goalkeeper, though. <laughs> no no Joe Rice. Well, Jacob Johnson-Jackson yeah. is probably going to be loaned down there a lot. But that's true. He did, he looked pretty good in that one preseason game. So, uh, Traeger has uh, Dewan Jones with five goals and seven assists in all competitions. Revs win at least one trophy. Books has 13 goals in all competitions before he leaves. Revs finish top three in the East. Uh, and the Revs have the playoff run we expected them to have last season. All very positive, I would say. Maybe mm -hmm. that top three in the East could be a little higher, but that's fine. Uh, Ava says Tristison makes more appearances and does a lot for us, but will also have the most cards among the players. Also, that's also I could see that happening. Uh, Trey has Altador gets back in form, takes Books' starting place when he leaves, scores seven plus goals. Trevor has it seems to be the number, right? Seven. I would yeah. say the over under is around seven right now for most people. I think I'll take that too. Yeah. Real quick, both of you over under seven goals for Josie Altador this season. Over. Over? Yeah. I was going to yep. go over as well, so I'll, I'll stick with that, yeah. All right. All right. All right. If he stays what about you? easily over. Okay. Don't you think? I think so, yeah. I, he has to. I mean, to come in at this salary. I mean, unless he's pulling his hammy again. But I mean, if he plays if he plays 15 or 20 games, he's scoring seven. I don't see it not happening. Yeah, I mean, this whole episode is now... Uh, we're we're the, gonna get we're gonna the get Josie Altador <laughs> podcast, basically. <laughs> but Trevor I think Leahy. I think I think he'll do over seven for sure. Trevor Leahy has a club record signing in the summer, uh, and then Randy LH has Bo wins the Golden Boot. Buxa sells in the summer for over twelve million, and the Revs are second in the East on exactly sixty nine points. Nice. <laughs> so that's bold predictions. Um, I like it. There was a lot of good ones in there. A lot of good ones, a lot of Altidore predictions, a lot of bow predictions. I think ranging from um, 
Leggett will score more than him to he will score 24 times. So a lot of really good bold predictions there. So uh, we do have to wrap up with our season predictions here uh, just in terms of uh, how we're going to do this season, how the Revs are going to how the season's going to play out, where we think they'll finish in the East. Uh, Tanner, why don't I go to you first? Uh, where do you think the Revs are going to finish this season? Um, how do you see this season kind of playing out? Uh, and, and do you like their chances? I mean, we all kind of predicted them to win LS Cup, so obviously we like their chances. But um, just in general, where do you think they finish in the East, and how do you see this playing, uh, season playing out? I think it's one of the most difficult seasons to predict in recent memory. You're talking about the ta- uh, Turner transfer. What does the team look like after just two preseason games? How does it fit with Lejet, Altidore? Um, how does that backline look with Omar Gonzalez? And then potentially transferring out Buxa. So I think it's really hard to predict, but I think this team's going to grind in the regular season. I think they're going to face some adversity which I think is going to be a good thing. So I'm looking for them to finish third or fourth in the Eastern Conference. And I think that would be a better setup for them heading into the playoffs because I feel like last year they kind of coasted through and they led by so much at the end where they didn't really face that adversity that they needed to overcome. So when they got to play NYCFC, who was actually fourth in the East in the regular season, they weren't really prepared for that kind of game. Very good. Very good analysis and insight overall. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts here about the Revolution season? What do you? What's your prediction overall? The East, I think, is going to be pretty crowded this year. Uh, Tanner was was right with saying it. It's it's really hard to predict. I had a lot of trouble trying to place where they would fall as far as the Eastern Conference table. I kind of settled around third. I think third is is a fair expectation for them. Uh, you got teams in Toronto who were 13th last season are going to be miles better, presumably, right? Uh, I mean, Insignia is not coming till the summer, but that's going to be a huge impact when that happens. Jordan Shakiri now in Chicago, we'll see what kind of impact he has. I know Chicago is kind of doing a huge rebuild, so who knows what's going on there. Uh, but then you still They're at the top the of the Chicago table. Fire. They are still the Chicago Fire. Um, so I guess you don't know. Schweinsteiger didn't do much over there either, but... Um, <laughs> I think the top of the table, it's going to be really tight between Orlando City. I think they're going to have a very good season this year. Uh, Nashville is going to continue to be doing good. And New York City, I think uh, New York City, Nashville, Orlando City, and New England are going to be the top four teams. I think the Revs finished third. Uh, And I think they'll finish on 65 points with 19 wins. Chris, I have really bad news for you. You're smiling. No, I think you know already. Uh, I think Nashville's moving to the West, aren't they? No, I, I, I do know that. I didn't think of it because I was looking at last year's standings when I made all these predictions. We're, we're so, replacing Nashville with Charlotte, which I think is uh, oh. the East is getting the, you know, we're, we're okay. getting the better. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Revs second in the East because uh, <laughs> I had Nashville right above, right above the Revs. Um, and now Nashville's going to finish seventh in the West. Well, the Western Conference think... is full of fraud, so I have them finishing first in the West. But well, that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Um, I, I think one team that you haven't mentioned here but is built for a good season is Columbus. Uh, they're one yep. season off of their MLS Cup run. Uh, they still have Zellerayon. You know, obviously they disappointed. Things went very sideways for them last year. Uh, but I, I could see them being a strong bounce-back contender this season. I think Philadelphia is always going to be there. Um, even though they're losing players, they, they've had some turnover there. Uh, but I think if this designated player from um, Miami, whose name is slipping me, but the striker that they got from Miami, who Miami bought for $6 million uh, a couple years ago, and now they've loaned to uh, 
Philadelphia as a young designated player. If he turns out to be a hell of a player, um, I, I think DC or sorry, not DC. I think Philadelphia uh, could give a lot of teams trouble this season as well. Uh, and then New York City too, obviously you have to respect the defending champions. Toronto is going to be playing all of their games at home. They're not going to be doing this ridiculous travel. Uh, so there there are a lot of teams that I think could be better, uh, but I'm not sure how much better they're going to be compared to the Revs who for the most part have kept a lot of their players. Um, and I think also the big wild card is what do the Revs do in the summer? Even if they replace Turner, Buxa with the correct pieces, there's still some turnover. There's still some time to gel and and kind of get some team cohesion and getting on the same page. So um, I don't think the Revs are going to be setting any points records this season. And I think first place might be a little bit high, uh, but I think this is a top two team in the East. I don't think anyone's gotten miles and miles better that they've caught up to the Revs. And the Revs have kept most of their key pieces and they've added Josie Altador, which, you know, last year they, you know, with all due respect to Teal Bunbury, um, you know, they kind of lack that scoring punch off of the bench. So, um, I think if Josie Altador stays healthy, I, I think this is certainly a top two team in the East. Now, if they lose Buxa, if Josie gets hurt, um, if they don't replace Buxa adequately, then you have some problems. If you don't replace Turner with someone who, at the very least, is an average goalkeeper at MLS, um, you have some problems. Uh, so this, there's a lot of variance here in terms of where the Revs could end up at the standings. But I have them being the second best team in the East. And for you know the sake of you know, just calling who I think will surpass them. I'll give it to New York City since they're the champions, uh, and, and they're just a pretty strong side overall. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I still don't see – I see a lot of East Team teams getting good but not great, um, and I, I still think the Revs window is right now. Any thoughts before we move on here? I think I, Atlanta, I will say – Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Tanner. I think Atlanta United could sneak up. I think oh, that yeah. could be a team that – Kind of going underneath the radar, and I could see them potentially being the top team in the East. Yeah, we didn't even mention Atlanta at all, and I feel like that's always a team that you know they reload every single year. So um, yeah, I mean, and I don't think this team will be very good this season. Uh, but we have to kind of give some credit to Miami; they've turned over their entire roster, um, and I think that's a team with a lot of ambition. And so you know they might look around the league and see what Chicago is doing and see what Toronto is doing. Uh, and they, they might go out and spend, and even if they have three DPs, they can always get one more. So, you know, Miami is, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you never know if they're going to make a run and, and kind of squeeze into the playoffs there. It, it might be a much harder Eastern Conference this season, but um, I'm certainly not sweating Chicago. I'll say that. I'm going to swat that <laughs> well, down right away. It, it's interesting that, Tanner, that you mentioned Atlanta because I didn't say anything about them because I have them as one of the few teams that are going to be slipping uh, this year. Uh, I know they had a very poor start to the season in 21 and they finished very strong and they still finished in fifth. Um, but I think they're gonna have more of a struggle uh, making the playoffs. Um, I mean, I guess it was a struggle last season too. They, they only made the playoffs by four points. Um, but I think they will be lower than fifth and uh, full transparency. The team that's going to top new England in the East is going to be Orlando city. I like the moves that they've been making. They don't have Nani. So no more uh, whining. I know he's a, a great playmaker, but uh, I think that he's just such a bad influence to 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 your team. I I just I don't know. I I couldn't play with someone with that sort of uh, a whininess. Maybe it's just when it's against the Revs. I don't know. I didn't watch a whole lot of Nani because I couldn't stand watching him. But uh, I have Orlando City. I like the moves they made this offseason. I forget the player's name that they brought in that I really really like. Um, and I think they're going to be taking the East. I don't think they're going to be supporter shield, but I think they'll take the East. Um, 
All right. Well, let's wrap up here. I think we're about about an hour, so we should probably start wrapping up because it is getting close to our bedtime. But just some quick news and notes here. Uh, we should note former Revs 2 players Joe Rice have uh, Joe Rice and Frankie Luis have new teams. Joe Rice has gone down to Loudoun United, uh, which is the affiliate with DC United. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if he ends up making it with the DC uh, setup there. Uh, you know what? Maybe the Revs acquire Bill Hamid and Joe Rice gets promoted. That would be very interesting. But uh, he ends up in the USL Championship. Good for him. Uh, I think USL League One was a little too low for him. So he rightfully moves up to the USL Championship. And Frankie Delise goes out to Fuego FC, which I believe is in Fresno, California, also a USL Championship team. So best of luck to them uh, this season. Also, some staffing moves here. Bruce Arena gets a multi-year contract extension. We can talk about that in a minute. Uh, but also, Shalry Joseph gets promoted from an academy coach to an assistant coach. Apparently, he's going to be working with the defense and the defenders. Uh, and Chris Tierney has been promoted to uh, director of soccer operations. I believe previously he was the recruitment manager. I forget his exact title. Uh, but some former revs getting some uh, well-deserved promotions. Nice to see some old friends uh, moving up the chain. Uh, real quick, guys, uh, Tanner, I'll start with you. What's your reaction here to the Bruce Arena contract extension? I think a lot of people thought this was Bruce Arena's last hurrah. He was kind of building for this one year. Uh, and then his contract was up and he would retire. Uh, it seems like he's in it for the long haul. Did that move surprise you? It didn't surprise me if you listen to the way Bruce Arena talks about coaching. It seems like a very easy lifestyle for him. You know, he's been doing it for so long. I think the extension at least gives Revs fans some confidence in terms of what he's plan planning to build. It's not just, hey, let's win now. It's let's build a team that's capable of competing for multiple years. And I think I look at that extension and say maybe it's not a coach arena in a couple of years. Maybe it's just sporting director arena and they bring in someone else to be the coach underneath him to sort of keep this train moving. So I think it's incredibly interesting that especially the timing of it as well. Agreed. Chris, any reaction to the Bruce Arena news? You know, I, I think I just more or less felt a relief over it because a lot of what Tanner was saying where you don't know what Bruce is building is I, I talked about that Josie contract and what that means in 2024, you know, moves like that. Like what is Bruce planning for? Is he just planning for his last season to try to get as best he can squeeze as much as he can into his last year? with the revs or is he actually building something that maybe is sustainable for the future uh and seeing that that extension it, it's a sigh of relief for me uh and i'm more than happy to see bruce here for the long haul i think he's the best thing that's happened to this club um since taylor twelman probably i yeah uh, and, and i think a lot of what tanner said too i want to echo is that you know i i think it's a, a good sign the revs are thinking more than just one year they're thinking uh kind of I don't want to call it long term because who knows if Bruce Arena is here three years or five years or whatever. Uh, but it's not an all in type of move. Uh, they're not going for everything right now. It seems like the revs are in good hands uh, and that, uh, you know, this wasn't a three year period where the revs were kind of out of the I'll call it the MLS 1.0 years where they were kind of pinching pennies and all that. Uh, I, I feel like the Bruce Arena era being extended as a sign um, that the Revs are going to use their resources and they are going to put money into the soccer team. Um, and, and it's going to be uh, taken care of, so to speak, which I think pre Bruce Arena, you know, was a big complaint amongst a lot of fans, including myself. So um, I, I think this is great news overall. Uh, and it, it's great to see Bruce Arena still there. And as he said, Tanner, he, he mentioned it earlier at the beginning of the season. I think it was the introduction press conference of the year. Um, you know, he mentions he doesn't really consider this a job because he loves doing it. Uh, he loves the competitiveness of it. So um, overall, very, very uh, positive overall and glad to see he's here to stay. I will say I'm a little annoyed because um, 
Not that I knew he was signing a contract extension, but I got a, a piece of information and I was like, that sounds like this means Bruce Arena is here for longer. Uh, and I wasn't going to, I was going to hint that maybe this was not Bruce Arena's last year in New England. Uh, and then they announced the contract extension. So I was like, damn, I was very close to breaking news, not breaking news, but uh, hinting at, you know, foreshadowing this contract extension. Uh, but we didn't podcast last week. So I was very breaking predictions, breaking predicts. That could have been my bold prediction. And I would have been yeah. one for one before the season even started. <laughs> Messed up. You, you missed out. Uh, one more piece of news here. Lee Wynn has retired. Uh, he His final season, I believe he was supposed to play in Vietnam. I don't think that season ever started. Uh, and then he ended up coaching with the Washington Spirit of the NWSL, who won the AV Championship last season. Uh, but he's officially announced his retirement and is transitioning into coaching with the Washington Spirit. Um, any, any thoughts on this, guys? Uh, Tanner, I'll start with you. Yeah, good to see him uh, getting into coaching, especially. It was a tough sort of breakup with the revolution. It was great to see him come back, right? Um, after the Brad Freidel debacle, I remember sitting in that press conference <clears throat> and the Rebels had just lost their home game. And they asked, we asked uh, Brad Freidel, would you have usually went in this situation? And, you know, it was a really weird situation. And I remember the press conference was really awkward. And just the fact that that was a club legend, he had given so much to the revolution in the organization, the way he was treated at the end, it didn't really sit right. And the fact that he was able to come back have that last season with the revolution and now he's retiring. So good for him. He's had a great career. But I, I, I don't know if this is the same press conference, but there's also the infamous, um, no, I would have played Zach Caravo as the uh, <laughs> midfielder, yes. which uh, I, I remember that was one of Brad Friedel's more, um, you know, not so, not so great moments. He had a few, he had a few stinkers out there where he kind of said something that uh, drew a lot of criticism from, you know, the local podcasts. Uh, and that was certainly one of them that uh, kind of, kept our sheds heads shaking so chris with, uh, with comments like that with... can we get brad on here for uh bold predictions because i think that would be some pretty good <laughs> brad friedel pretty good prediction zach harriman yeah, I'd, I'd love to 30 goals this season <laughs> name the podcast uh, in the parking lot with brad friedel <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah ho okay. hopefully uh if he was grading our bold predictions he'd be waiting for us in the parking lot <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say that uh, Lee Wynn is just such such a, a legend of the club and, you know, just to, to grow in uh, soccer in general uh, in this area. I know people that directly started watching the revolution because of Lee Wynn. And, uh, you know, so impacts like that that are, are lasting and um, it, it really changes the perception of the game and, and the league and. Uh, everything as a MLS as a whole uh, in our region. It just helps to grow it. He's just such a legend. Congrats to him on uh, such a fantastic career and, uh, you know, hoping that he continues to find success uh, coaching in NWSL and maybe elsewhere. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, you know, I, I started covering the Revs in 2014, um, right before the Revs got good. So I kind of saw that second half of the season with Jermaine Jones when they got on that winning streak and went to the MLS Cup. Uh, and Lee, Sin, Lee Wynn was a joy to watch, and I think a lot of people remember Jermaine Jones, uh, the signing as that being the turning point of the season. Um, I, I think most Revs diehards will remember that season by Lee Wynn, but um, I mean, he, he was just so much fun to watch, and he was just astounding in that second half of the season. Um, and it is a real shame of how things ended the first go-around with him. Um, I think the club didn't do right by him in certain situations, but I'm glad he got came back. He had that kind of reunion uh, with the revolution in the 2019, uh, was it 2019, 2020 playoffs. Um, 
you know, I, I think it was great that he kind of came back and not necessarily ended his career here, but sort of ended his career here, kind of got closure uh, before retiring. And it seems like he's doing great uh, as an assistant coach right now. So hopefully he, you know, great things happen with him uh, in the future in the coaching rank. So uh, good on you, Lee Wynn, uh, and congrats on retirement. So uh, Tanner, where can people find you on social media? They can find me at Tanner Rebello on Twitter. Chris, where can people find you on Twitter? At uh, only on Twitter, though, uh, at Chris Belucas uh, is probably the best place. I'm looking to start up uh, my Res Revolt stuff again, so you can follow that if you'd like. And if I actually get around to, to creating some more content, you'll find it there. That's at Res Revolt on uh, pretty much all social media platforms. My bold prediction is that you're going to start making Res Revolt videos again. <laughs> well, so coming get to the podcast tonight, I was like, all right, we're going to kind of breeze over the a lot of the new stuff, and I'm going to make a Josie Altador video once the podcast is over and i don't think that's necessary anymore so um we've we've spoiled that i had a script written up for the cavalli game that has been thrown in the trash um so i'm over two so far uh in 2022 but but, you know hopefully uh i don't know hopefully i get something going soon yeah always next week uh You can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap and be sure to follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Also, please be sure to follow the Bent Musket on Twitter at Bent Musket and make sure you follow the Trifecta Network uh, where Tanner uh, is giving you a ton of Revolution coverage as every uh, recaps, uh, every game, every press conference. So make sure you're following the Bent Musket and Trifecta Network, two of the only outlets that cover the Revs year round. And also, please make sure you check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. Please make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you're listening, and please rate and review us five stars. It helps people look for Revolution content. Find it. I am under the impression there's going to be a lot more Revolution fans this season. This is the year we win MLS Cup, so obviously a lot of people are going to be getting into the Revolution, and they need to find our podcast. So please rate and review us uh, to help those fine people. We will be back, I guess, in a couple weeks. I guess we the Cavalry game second leg is canceled as well. So we will be back to recap the season opener against Portland in – a week and a half or something. I think it's next Saturday. Does anyone know? That seems insanely uh, soon. Uh, okay. But maybe. Well, when the Portland game happens, we will recap it. And until then, thank you everyone for listening and go Revs.